Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. I want to just kind of give you a common experience that so many of us have today. Uh, I mean, have you ever had an evening like this? You sit down with your significant other at home, and you guys begin watching. Uh, you're just like, I, I'm going to watch a movie. We're going to watch a movie together. And, and so you pull up Prime, you know, and you're going to go ahead and start browsing. And you browse, and you browse, and you browse, and you browse. I've done that. I did that this week. The choices roll through the screen, and nothing looks remotely interesting. And, and uh, you know, if I kind of like something, she doesn't. If she kind of likes something, I don't, you know. And at any given moment, you know, we'll, there, there are at least, I counted 16 options on the screen. I mean, just those choices. Wow. And, and, and I, I checked on it later. It's like, yeah, Prime has 156 channels. Dude, they have 1,981 TV shows. And they also have 18,405 movies, which is four times the number of movies that Netflix has. And my wife actually said, do you think we should get Netflix? I don't know. Maybe we need it. I, I don't know. How do you know what to watch when there's nothing to watch on there? So I was like, I forget it. So we figure, like, let's just go to dinner, all right? Let's just go to dinner. So we, we're like, okay, great, great. The, the, but then all of a sudden, well, there are all these choices. And, 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 I, and TripAdvisor says that there are 1,942 restaurants in Fort Worth alone. Yet nothing sounds good, you know. Finally, you stop. Well, you know what? I'm just going to go get some coffee. And, but first of all, you have to find the right coffee shop because everyone has their opinions about what's good or not good about coffee shops. And they're very, very, very passionate about it. But when you arrive, you know, finally you decide on the coffee shop. You arrive at the coffee shop. Then you have to decide on your specific coffee drink. You know. Is it Resetro? Is it Espresso? Is it Lungo? Is it Cafe Crema? Is it Macchiato? Are you going to have a cappuccino? Are you going to have flat white? Are you going to have cafe au lait? Are you going to have Turkish coffee, Americano, long black mocha, or have cafe latte or frappe? Or how about Irish coffee? And once you decide on that, then comes the milk. Would you like full fat, semi-skim, skimmed, lactose-free, soy, almond, oat, or rice milk? Rice doesn't even make milk at this point, you know? And and so then he's like, I, I just want coffee in a cup. Well, what size? Large. Oh, we don't have large. We go, just stop. The biggest size you have. Okay, well, that would be grand. Grande? No, grand. Oh, okay, okay. And, and it's like, and, and just, just, I don't need a leaf. I, I don't need a heart. I don't want a portrait of me in the top of the coffee. Just give me a cup of coffee. You guys understand what I'm talking about, right? It's funny because uh, Starbucks proudly says that they have over 80,000 different drink combinations. And I was just thinking, thinking, you know, it's like how stressful all of this is. How stressful life is, you know, with all these choices we have. And, and I know it was eons ago. It was eons ago. But I happened to be around in the 1970s. Yeah, that, that's, that, was, that, was a, that was a fun era. Back then, we had three television channels, you know? ABC, CBS, NBC. We also had PBS, but that didn't count, all right? 
There were no rentable movies. Uh, you know, you're going to go get something to eat. Well, you have Dairy Queen. You had First Cafeteria. You have McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, and Burger Chef. There were no coffee shops. And we never complained about having nothing to watch or nowhere to go eat. It's interesting because Business Insider Magazine, they reported last month that, that too much choice is actually now considered to be a bad thing psychologically. In fact, too many choices cause us to stress out. And, and that is becoming a large, a huge amount of the stress that people are going through today. So today, I'm going to challenge you to choose to be choosy with what you choose. And you'll get this here in a second. Thing, thing is, every single day we're making choices. But here's what's important. With every choice comes a trade-off. Um, what will you give and what will be the benefit? You're going to give your time, your energy, your money or something. You're going to give some little chunk, some little portion of your life to get a benefit. What's the benefit going to be? Well, it's going to be growth, maybe relationship, maybe health or pleasure or security. The list, you know, for the benefits go on and on and on. But some people, they make choices and they make choices that really take their life in an interesting direction. Some people make the choice just to work and work and work to see how much they can acquire. And they define themselves by their possessions, whether it be cars and houses, clothing brands, uh, material wealth, external status, you know, that's what they're looking for. And there's a price they pay for it, and they willingly do that. Others make the choice to work and work and work for financial security. Uh, they want to make sure all of their nest eggs are really secure. So they'll spend, uh, on the other hand, next to nothing because they're obsessed that they want to be ready, be very, very ready just in case the inevitable happens. You know, around here, what's the inevitable going to happen? I don't know. Uh, all the fracking is going to cause the world to cave in here? I, I, I don't know, but they'll be ready for it. Still others, um, and you know, a lot of women especially, will trade their lives for relational security, and some will even give up almost anything and put up with almost anything. Even many I've seen will give up their own personal safety just to not be alone. Yeah, there's a price to pay for every choice you make. On a positive note, I mean, some trade their lives for spiritual growth and connection, for freedom and for purpose, and the willingness to sacrifice personal comfort for a sense of drawing closer to God. And that's a big part of what we're about here. But you know, the thing is, there's a million things that we can choose to trade our lives for. But if you're going to thrive, you have to choose to be choosy with what you trade your life for. Let's talk about that today. You're going to trade your life, but what are you going to trade it for? My encouragement is for you to think today. This is the last of my series on wising up. This is, I want you to use your intellect today. I, I, I'm asking you to trade your life for life and be really choosy about where you go with it. See, most choices that we make uh, on a daily basis, they're not life or thrive oriented. And actually, the more and more we make of those, we are selling ourselves Literally, short. But if you choose to thrive, I, I, I really believe this, and I've seen this all my life, that the people who make the choice to really thrive in their lives, whatever's important to them does tend to come within their grasp. And you can be teachable. 
But if you're going to be teachable, you have to narrow your choices. So today I'm just going to ask you to focus with me on three really good choices that I encourage you. In fact, I strongly recommend that you make. Uh, these are biblical. These are thrive-oriented choices. Here's the first one. Choice number one is choose not to be ignorant. Really. The ignorance is the attitude of this, is I don't really care what's going on around me and the world. I don't care what's going on in my nation or my city or my church. I don't even care what's going on in my family because ignorance is bliss and I'm just going to live a life of bliss. Well, I'm telling you, ignorance is really actually painful and it's costly And the consequences of taking what I would call the ignorant approach to life is harmful to every desire that you may have to thrive. Some people, I mean, no matter how much you encourage them, they're going to make very conscious daily decisions to not really see what's out there. They're choosing to be ignorant. It's like a teenager who ignores wise counsel from his teachers or his parents. Maybe the employee who just refuses to comply with standard operating procedures because, well, I don't want to be a conformist. (laughs) The boss who won't listen to his team and they're desperately trying to get him or her to see a problem. See, all those are examples of people who have chosen to not see. They've chosen to be ignorant and they will pay a high price for it. Solomon talks about this and it's in the scriptures. It's actually found twice. The identical scripture is quoted from from Solomon twice, Proverbs 22.3 and Proverbs 27.12. He says, the prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple, or in this case, we would just use our term today, the ignorant keep going and they pay the penalty. See, when we refuse to listen to wise counsel around us or pay attention to really what's happening around us as a whole, we just keep going, as Solomon says, and we're headed for trouble. We head off the edge of a cliff. It's really simple. My first one is to make the choice that you're not going to be ignorant. Really good choice. Here's a second. Choose to not be indifferent. Um... Now, indifference is different than ignorance because indifferent people really don't deliberately choose ignorance. Um, but they'll actually go out of their, they, they, they won't really ever go out of their way to grow or to expand themselves either. They kind of like seek nothing new. They move through life. They coast through life. They really, I'll, I'll be candid with you, the vast majority of the people in our nation fall into this, this, this category because it's a default daily practice. They choose to not be choosy with what's coming in their lives. You ask them, what's going on today? There is no plan. They choose neutral. Um, and and when, you, when you choose neutral regarding learning and growth and expanding, that's a bad choice. What happens to a car that's in neutral that's not engaged with the transmission? Well, the truth is that car is totally out of control. You might say, yeah, it's just sitting there. Well, all you get, give it a little shove and see what will happen to it. Because that car is now at the mercy of its environment. It's just blown around. It just goes wherever someone else nudges it to go. See, people who are indifferent, they do the same thing. They won't engage kind of like the transmission. They won't engage the power that's available to them to propel them forward. Consequently, what happens? They don't thrive. They survive. They exist, but they don't thrive. See, plus people who uh, choose the the route of being indifferent... 
they're the ones who actually resent the people who thrive. You see, because they're the ones that cry out, oh, well, this is unfair. It's not fair that you have this or that you're doing this. That's, they, they tend to see successful people uh, in, in a bad light. You know, there's this, there's this thought that, and it's, well, it's not just a thought. It's very obvious in our culture. Successful people always have a bunch of haters following them around, right? And that's because those are people who've chosen indifference in their life. And they hate and get upset with and get angry with anyone else who doesn't have that same approach to life. Don't let that stop you, though. Proverbs 19, verse 27, Solomon gives us this from the word of God. He says, stop listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray. It's like being in neutral. You're going to stray from the words of knowledge. In other words, if we don't make it a, uh, a point to be disciplined and to be engaged, we're going to drift off in ways that will cost us hugely in the long run. I mean, nobody just casually drifts onto the doorstep of their dreams of this robust life. No, no way. If you're indifferent, the thing is you actually have to be forced to learn. You learn because someone else demands it of you. And that could be your boss, maybe your teacher, it could be a parent or a spouse. Being indifferent is like the husband who refuses to make any changes until his wife threatens to leave him. And then he's like, okay, well, now he's going to have to be forced to make a decision. It's the employee who is told that they will be fired if they, if they continue coming in 15 minutes late to work. It's the man who learns that, well, I'm, go- I'm going to die of a heart attack if I don't change the way I eat. That's forced teachability. And I'm telling you guys, forced teachability is what happens to those who are indifferent. But that's not the way to thrive. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that, that, that there should be, uh, you know, I'm not saying that there should not be forced teachability because that actually does nudge us in the right direction a lot of times in life. But if it's forced, if things are forced on us, it's not originating from a drive deep inside of you. And really, that's what I'm getting at today because it's less about your choice. You're not really having a choice. You're being forced. And the byproduct of being driven around by this forced teachability is then we begin to develop this approach to life where we, we kind of just like see whatever way we can to get away with whatever we can. You know, we, we're just, we're, we're not actively seeking to grow in wisdom and knowledge on our own. We just want to kind of find shortcuts around, around life. And if you really want to be your own person, then stop fighting against the forced teachability that's coming your way Choose to simply not be indifferent and begin to begin to grow. That's just the second choice I ask you to make. Here's choice number three. It's pretty simple. Is choose to be teachable with intention. Teachable with intention. Now I think if Solomon were here, he'd echo these words like, yes, absolutely. In fact, this is all taken from his wisdom, you know. When you make the choice to be choosing and you invite teachability into your life, the truth is that's actually when life becomes an adventure because you're on this quest for wisdom. Every, every day, you, every single day, you're given another wonderfully valuable opportunity to find some type of insight that will make you a better person in one way or another. And I, I tell you guys, that's the way I like to live. 
It's not this thing of like, well, then I'm going to be teachable, so I'm going to go to the internet and I'm just going to uh, find something and start reading. No, that's actually mindlessly falling into a rabbit hole. We've all done that, you know, where you click a link and you click another link and another link, useless data, and two hours later you're going, what just happened to my day? What did I learn? Nothing. What did I grow in? Nothing. But I sure do know something about, about you know, earthworms and how special they are. He's like, no, no. <laughs> Choose to be choosy with what you're taking in and don't waste your life. Really. See, being teachable with intention means that you're just going to kind of live by this motto of saying, I seek out learning every day because I want to become the best I can possibly be. Do you know this is embedded in the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Here it is. What I'm talking about starts with the word of God every day intentionally go to God's word daily. I typically start my mornings off with it first thing in the morning because it sets my mind in the right framework for the rest of my day. You see, I gave you guys a challenge a few weeks ago. Most of us are now wrapping up our challenge of reading through the book of Proverbs, reading one chapter a day for a month, and and now I'm just going to ask you to take another step. You've already finished one book of the Bible. Now just make the choice to go ahead and read the entire Bible through over the next 12 months. Find a reading plan. There are so many of them, or just do it, just do it. You're already on your way. Just pick it up and do it. See, if you're being teachable with intention, it means you're actively seeking out wisdom and insight. You do it from the word of God, but you also do it in every arena of life. This is what God wants for us, you know? He wants you to have success in relationships and career, health and financial, everything. And God gives us so many of those principles from his word, but he also wants us to seek it out because there's so much that's out there. Being intentional about these things means that you're going to place yourself in a position where you will learn and you, you are going to be farther along. You're going to be farther along than other people who are on life's journey. You know what? And you're going to learn from people who are ahead of you and you're going to learn from people who are actually behind you as well because you're on a journey together. Choosing to be teachable with intention basically is is, is like a life where you get to open a thousand gifts every day. Who doesn't want that? Solomon said it well. He says this in Proverbs 19.20. He says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you will be counted among the wise. What's the end result of this? You not only become wise, but you're counted among the wise. You are wise yourself. You personify wisdom. Have have you ever known someone who just seems to always have the right answer and they kind of know just which way to go with every life obstacle? You ever known a person like that? Well, I'll tell you something. That person never got there by accident. They didn't, what they did is they chose to not choose ignorance. They chose to not choose indifference. Instead, they were choosy on a daily basis to choose teachability. It's because a teachable person is eager for tomorrow, and I want that for you. Uh, you know, I want to be that type of person. Eager to start every single day out because there's so much to step into. So many opportunities out there. 
Now I want you to look at this passage in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. It was one of my favorite passages in the scripture, 13 through 15. And, and you should have it marked and, 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 and put highlights around it, circles around it, highlight it, make it your screensaver or whatever, you know, make it your wallpaper. And because I love this, because it really talks about the person who's eager for tomorrow, someone who has a passion for life. Um, and it's not the indifferent. It's not the, the ignorant person because their world basically is too, mal, too small. Um, th- this, this, this passage talks about letting go of yesterday, which means letting go of your joys, letting go of your sorrows, letting go of your successes and your failures and live with an impassioned focus forward toward tomorrow. Uh, it's this attitude that the greatest church planter in the New Testament had. His name is Paul. He's my example for this. He says in verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. In other words, he's saying, I still don't have it all together. (laughs) But one thing I do, I like this, forgetting what is behind. And for some of you, that's the message from God for you right now because you can't get away from the indifference and you can't get away from the ignorance because you're holding on to yesterday. Let go of it, the good and the bad. And straining, I like this, straining toward what is ahead. It's like a race. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Hold your place right there. That is an example of being teachable with intention. A few years ago, I went to a conference with John Maxwell and he was leading a session and it was on the topic of personal success. And interestingly enough, I mean, John actually never gave a definition of success in in that session, but he spoke more about how success is connected with teachability the entire time. In my notes, I wrote this quote from John. He says, if you humble yourself and let others teach you, then you'll discover success. In fact, everyone can teach you something. See, he described his personal success three ways, knowing my purpose in life, growing to my maximum potential, and sowing seeds that benefit other people. You see that? It's so, so simple. Following your purpose, growing, and being generous. You see, a teachable person really is grounded in a very deep dependence upon God himself. And they express it with a heart of generosity. They know that tomorrow is theirs for the taking and your tomorrow is there for your taking if you begin to live this way. It's one of the things I encourage us to do is we take this attitude uh, onto our cultural streets and we eventually find that when we're doing this in our culture, Monday through Saturday, yeah, Sundays too, but we find you're going to find yourself gaining influence and you're going to be influencing other influencers. In fact, a good cultural streets axiom is this, is equip today to bring about a better tomorrow. In fact, our Holy Spirit workshop on, on Saturday, this is really a perfect place for this. It's a perfect place. Because Saturday, it's all about this discontent with just like, I just don't want status quo. I'm not satisfied with yesterday's blessing. And I'm never satisfied with yesterday's blessing. Yeah, that was wonderful. And yesterday's failures were horrible, but I'm going to move on. And, uh, and honestly, I, I want you to join me this Saturday. Because God does want to bless you, empower you, and partner with you to bring about a better tomorrow for you, and for your life, for your family, and for the people around you, and for, for just really everything that you touch. 
Now back to Philippians 3.15 where Paul really sums it up. And basically what he says is if you're going to be a grown-up, if you're going to think of yourself as mature, look at this. He says all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. In other words, all of us who are immature won't take this view of things, of pressing forward. Because the immature choose to live in their past victories, their past failures, and they choose indifference, and they choose ignorance. They choose it toward today, and they choose it toward the future. See, immaturity can't be generous in life with blessings because immaturity fights and squabbles over the chicken scratch, you know? Immaturity criticizes the eagles. I'm challenging you to step into maturity because maturity means that it means that you know you need God. It means you know that you're going to use whatever God blesses you with to serve others and to help others and that position and title and knowledge and money and possessions and talents and time, whatever you've been blessed with now becomes an instrument for God to use. That's maturity. That's the way to thrive because you actually care more about giving your life away and that's the thrill of it. You do it to God and you're being an instrument of God's blessing to your family and to your church and to your company and your community and to your world as well. There's always a trade-off. You have to give up to go up. You have to give part of your life away to rise to that next level. So what are you going to give your life for? A bunch of selfish pursuits that never satisfy? (laughs) Or give your life to Jesus because... He has greater plans for you than you can ever imagine. He can give you more than you can ever ask also. When I was a kid, I used to think about that term. You know, I was told to really even say that, that this terminology a lot. Jesus, I give my life to you. And, and, uh, you know, what does that mean? Well, at initial salvation, you know, it's it's giving our lives to Jesus. But but I think we should say it all the time. (laughs) Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm yours today. What does it mean, though? Well, I, I think that little line that we have concocted, it's good. I think it's healthy. It's, it's, it means a lot of things. I think when we say, Jesus, I give my life to you, it, it means I accept, I accept your purchase of me. It means that I accept the fact that I was paid for by a price that Jesus paid on the cross with his own life. I think when we say, Jesus, I give my life to you, what we're saying is I'm not my own. I'm a new creation. I belong to Jesus and the old selfish, aimless, directionless person is buried in the ground. In fact, water baptism is, is a good way of looking at that because we, what we do, and we love to celebrate water baptism around here, but it represents the old life being buried actually like in, in the water. It's, it's an illustration that we live out. We, we, we do it, you know? It's the old life being buried in the water and a new life comes out that is submitted to Jesus, rising up in the fullness of life and just in that passionate pursuit of him. In fact, again, we're doing water baptism today at the end of our noon service here in a few hours. We'll be doing it again at City Life Night in just a few weeks. And, and I just tell you, man, water baptism is something we should all walk through and experience. Because it helps us to remember that we're not our own. You know, Paul said it well. He said, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. What it is, 
when we say, Jesus, I give my life to you, it's saying I'm no longer my own master. I'm no longer my own owner. God, you're my owner. God, you're my master. And we say it all the time because it keeps our heart going in that right direction. He's my father. He's my treasure. He's my wisdom. He's my hope. He's my source of the fullest, fullness of life. He's my source of eternal lasting pleasure. When we say, Jesus, I give my life to you, basically that means I am thrilled to be ruled, satisfied, and partnered with you, Jesus. That means you're not going it alone. You're working with, get this, with the God who created and fashioned and chiseled out this entire universe to bring hope to this world. It's like, well, that's a big load. I really? No, it's not. It's a very light load. In fact, it's a refreshing load to carry. Jesus said this in Matthew 11, verse 28. I close with this scripture. He said, are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life for I am your oasis. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle and humble and easy to please. Jesus said that. He said, you will find refreshment and rest in me for all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. Yeah, that's why I say, Jesus, I give my life to you. I'm going to be intentional with my teachability. Tomorrow is an opportunity for me to not only make a difference in my life, but in the lives of every person I touch in this world around me. And it compounds daily as we continue in that way. That's a big part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a big part of why we do what we do here at this church. Sounds like what we really want, isn't it? Yeah, so I do choose my life to give my life to Jesus. But you have no movement at this time. I'd like for you to just to close your eyes and focus internally for a moment. First of all, maybe you're here and you've never surrendered your life completely to Jesus, possibly drifted from relationship with the Lord. And if you want to know the Jesus that we talk about here at City Life, if you want a new beginning, I'm just going to give you a very simple opportunity to respond by lifting your hand, knowing this is that Jesus loves you more than you can imagine, and he died for you so that you can have life and life to the full. If you want to be included in my closing prayer, surrender your life to Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand when I count to three so I can connect my faith with yours and we'll pray together. Can we do that? Just one, two, three. Lift your hand for me. Lift your hand for me. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Put your hand down. Here's what I'd like for us to do. I'd like for you, lifted your hand along with this wonderful group of believers right here, to pray some words with me. Will you pray? Let's pray these words together. Come on, let's pray these words together. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. 
I believe you're the son of God. Please forgive my sins. Today I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. With your self still in an attitude of prayer, would you just receive this prayer right now? Receive this prayer of blessing that you will move forward and thrive in your life like never before. God, I just pray for every person in this room. God, we didn't come here for a religious experience. No, we came here to encounter the God of the universe. So God, will you empower us and will you strengthen us to make right choices and decisions that we're going to be people who are growth-oriented. We're taking our lives out of neutral. We're engaging that transmission. We're engaging the power, the power of the Holy Spirit and we're going to surge forward in our lives. Indifference is gone out of our lives in Jesus' name. We're not giving into ignorance in Jesus name God no no Lord we choose to move forward in our lives and walk in the steps that you have ordered for us and we thank you God that you've called us not only to benefit from this personally but we benefit by benefiting others God give us a life of generosity in every way in every way God we want our lives to count in Jesus name Jesus name amen Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.